following God and looking to his commands were no longer doing so. And as he looked out in the world, those that were no longer following God seemed to actually be prospering and doing better without him. Habakkuk looks around and he begins to worry and wonder, God, where are you and what are you doing? Are you even there? And it's interesting because I think those words that we hear him cry out, many are crying out today. Let's take a moment and just go through some of these words and think about the last couple of months that we've seen as the world has been turned on its head. About a year ago, we entered into what is known as COVID-19. We heard about it. We thought that perhaps, okay, something's happening. We've heard the word pandemic. We heard the world on a global scale. And I think all of us began to think, oh, well, we'll just kind of ratchet down. We'll do our things for the next couple of months. But did anybody think that it would extend for over a year? Did anybody think that in that time that also we would go through an election and obviously see a nation that is bitterly divided on all kinds of levels? Did anybody think that we would see the concerns that are out there? Is anybody out there worried? Is anybody concerned about what might be going on in our world? And this morning we're going to essentially look at an individual who was worried. But as he turned to God, and as he heard God's commands, his worry began to turn into worship. One of the things that I want to encourage us in this morning as we look into the book of Habakkuk over the next three weeks is this. That wouldn't it be wonderful that despite our worrying, despite our concerns, despite the fact that things may not necessarily change or go the way that we want them, that when people come to hear about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they see us worshiping rather than worrying. And yet, like Habakkuk, we cry out and we say, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. We hear the words violence. We hear the words injustice. We hear the words tolerating wrong. We see that destruction and violence are before us. Strife and conflict abounds. Anybody like to go and look at the local news right now? Would you say that everything is kumbaya and that our nation is fine and that we're all getting along? Or would you say that as you look at the news, you become concerned to the point that you begin to move and worry and wonder about our nation, about where it's heading, about what's going to happen, about what your life may or may not be like. And then you go to God and you say, God, where are you and what are you doing? And as you do, it doesn't get better. It actually gets worse. And you think, well, wait a minute, God, if I'm praying to you, if I'm crying out to you, if I'm following you, if I'm asking you to do things, how in the world can things get worse? Shouldn't they get better? This morning, we're going to ask this question. When we look at the world and we see so much violence, how do we not worry? Better yet, how do we not worry, but how do we turn that worry into worship? And my word of encouragement again for all of us is this, that there's no better time for the church to move from worry to worship than it is right now. 
Because when people who don't know the Lord come in and they see individuals standing before a God and worrying, I don't know that they'll want any of that. But if they come in and they see individuals who say, yes, I am worried, but there is a God who has turned my worry into worship and I trust him and I know him and I know that his plan is good despite what I see going around around us, despite the fact that things are getting worse or appear to be getting worse before they get better, people are going to say, I want to know who that God is and I want to understand why you can have peace of heart and peace of mind in the age that we are in today when so much seems to be awry. And that, this morning, is what we're going to discover as we enter in into the first chapter of the book of Habakkuk. To start off, I'd like to just quote a, a sort of a message by John H. Walton. He's an Old Testament scholar and professor, both at Wheaton College and Moody Bible Institute. And this is what he says. We must also remember some of the key lessons of Scripture. In our weakness, he is strong. He can use suffering to strengthen our character. He can use evil to accomplish good, precisely the nature of the discussion of the book of Habakkuk. God's sovereignty is demonstrated in that whatever personal or non-personal agents do, God takes it and turns it for his purpose. But God, where are you? What are you doing? I've cried out to you. We've prayed and the world seems to be getting worse before it's getting better. Are you even listening? Do you even care? Are you even real? Habakkuk is crying out in a time where God's people have turned away from him. In and around this time, 650, 640 BC, Habakkuk is looking at the land. God's people have been scattered. The kingdoms have been divided. And individuals are turning away from him. And he is saying, what is going on? The world looks as if it's beginning to fall apart. And God, where are you? The words that I started off with are essentially the oracle, or a fancy word for the burden of Habakkuk. His heart is anguished. He's looking around and he's saying, God, I am trying. I am doing what I can, but nothing seems to be getting better. In fact, it seems to be getting worse. And so as we begin to look into this book, what we discover in the first four verses is simply this, that with all of the violence in the world, we can become worried and begin to question God's plan. Has anybody questioned God's plan? Let's be real. Has anybody ever said, God, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Or what aren't you doing and why aren't you doing something about it? We want to step in for God. We think that we can do something better. We think that God should be hearing us and that our ways are better than his ways. But doesn't God say, my ways are not your ways? Shouldn't we trust in his sovereignty? Habakkuk cries out, and he's turning to God, and I wonder what his emotions are. I'm speculating the fact that he is utterly frustrated on his wit's end, crying out to God and saying, I am trying, and nothing is happening, and everything around me is getting worse. We become worried, and we begin to question the plan of God. 
But what we're going to discover is that God hears this prayer and he answers Habakkuk in the most unique way. How many of you have ever gone to God and said, God, here's the thing. Things are going on, things are concerning me, and this is what you need to do so that I know that you're there and that you're real and that you've got things under control. Stop this, change that, do this, make this relationship get better, change this, remove that, make this person happy, heal that relationship, end the violence, do these things, and then I know that you are in control and you are God. Anybody ever do that? What if God says, I hear you, but I've got a different plan? What would you say to God? What is it? Let me hear it. Of course, obviously, you're good. You're going to bring about wonderful things. You're going to eradicate all of these things. And God says, no, my plan is a little bit different. But trust me, I know what I'm doing. What if God said to you, you know what I'm going to do? I know there's violence in the world. I know there's destruction. I know there's strife. I know there's division. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring in a nation that is even more violent, more destructive, more divisive, more idolizing, and more beyond my heart. That's what I'm going to do. What if God said that to you? God, are you there? Are you real? Wait a minute. You're telling me that as I cry out to you and I see the violence in the world, you're going to take care of it by bringing about more violence and more destruction? And God says, uh-huh. That's what I'm going to do. Sometimes with all the violence in the world, we become worried and we begin to question God's plan. And yet, at times, God's answer to his plan will often surprise and amaze us. The interesting fact about this book is God knows exactly what he's doing and he knows exactly what needs to happen in order to draw God's people to himself. But in order for that to happen, it is God's plan and God's plan alone that occurs and it blows the minds of Habakkuk and it would blow our minds if we heard the same answer from God. Because God says, I'm in control. I understand your concern. I understand your fears. I recognize that there's violence in this world. I recognize that there's division and strife. I recognize that you are worried. But I will take care of it. However, how I will take care of it is bringing about a more violent nation to capture the people of God and draw them into greater hardship. How would we respond? Praise Jesus. Yeah. Thank you for being honest and transparent. Really? You're going to make it harder? You're going to bring about a nation that worships its military might and its violence? That's your plan, God? How often do we question God's plan? However, how often do we wonder where he is? How often do we say, my plan's better than your plan, God? Yet what we see is an infinitesimal small part of the day where God sees the grand big picture. Let me ask you this. 
Hindsight being 2020, now knowing that God's plan is what brings about Habakkuk to worship. It's what brings about God's people to turn back to God and worship him. How many of you would say, God, if you have to bring a more violent nation so that more people will know you and more people will worship your name and more people will be in your kingdom, then may it be so. How many of you would say, and you know what? As that happens, and as I watch the world become more violent, and as I watch more destruction, and as I see things fall more and more apart, rather than worrying, knowing that this is what you are doing, I am going to worship you all the more. This is the story of Habakkuk. This is God's plan. Habakkuk lays out a burden. He lays out his worry. But as he hears the word of God, as he sees God's sovereignty, as he sees God's might, as he sees God's plan, he begins to say, I don't understand and I don't know. But I know you and I know who you are and I know your promises and I know what you will do and therefore I will worship you. His worry turns to worship in the most critical time when he could say, like the guy in Aliens 2, when all of the aliens are coming on him and they're going and it's all done, he's like, game over, man. I'm out of here. Let me ask you this. If the world gets more violent, if the world gets more divided, if there is more strife, if there is more injustice, my question to you is, will you say game over or will you say, God, I worship you and I worship you even more because I know your plan? And we do know God's plan because God's plan has been revealed. God's plan has been revealed all the much more so after Habakkuk through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which indeed God in the flesh has come. He's lived, he's died on the cross to give us eternal life so that when we place our faith and trust in him, we are his children. And this world is no longer our home. This isn't where we belong. This isn't our ultimate destiny. Our destiny is with our eternal king in his kingdom. Therefore, God, if the world has to become more violent, if there has to be more strife, if there has to be more division so that more might come to know your name, I worship you and may it be so. At times, God answers to his plan will surprise and amaze us. God says in verse 5 to Habakkuk, Number one, okay, how cool, first of all, would it be to hear God orally? Right? Okay, how many of us pray? We pray, right? Now, I've heard from God. I've heard from God in his word. There's times when I believe God has spoken, but not necessarily orally to me. But whoa! Can you imagine if you're in your prayer time, you're crying out to God, and you're saying, God, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. And the next thing you know, you hear this voice, Trevor, right? Habakkuk. It's God. Sweet. I'm going to hear from God, and this is going to be awesome. And God says, let me tell you what's going to happen. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Awesome! God's going to bring about justice. God's going to make it right. He's going to change everything and it's going to be great. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe. Uh-huh. Right on. Preach it, God. 
even if you were told, bring it, Lord, bring it. I'm rising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people. You're going to do what? Uh-uh. This isn't God. God, it's my plan, not yours. Who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. God, am I hearing from you? Is this really what you're going to do? I'm crying out to you. I'm telling you that I see all of the violence and injustice in the world. And you're telling me that you're going to bring about the Babylonians who are godless people, violent, even more violent than what I see around me? Uh-huh. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than the wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen from afar. They fly like a vulture, swooping to devour. They come bent on violence. God, I'm crying out to you, violence, and you're bringing about people who are bent on violence? That's your answer? Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They derade kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men. God, you're bringing about men who are guilty of injustice to work your plan. Uh-huh. And by the way, their own strength is their God. You're bringing about men who pride themselves of their own strength, who bend themselves on violence, who have no desire for you and no heart for you to answer my concern about the violence and the injustice in the world. Uh-huh. Can you be God? Is this really you? You know, sometimes when God answers us, his plan will surprise and amaze us. But it might surprise us and amaze us in a way that we don't necessarily want or we expect. I don't know exactly what God is doing. But what I can tell you right now is as we look in the world and we see what's going on, it would continue to appear that violence, strife, division, malice, hatred, anger, all of those things are continuing to abound. And we cry out like Habakkuk and say, God, when will you bring an end to this? And what I know is at some point God will. But also... If God needs to bring about more anger, more hatred, more violence to accomplish his ultimate purpose, which is to draw people to himself in brokenness and humility so that they worship the true king, then may it be so. And that is a scary prayer. But Father, it's not about me. It's not about my plan. It's not about my desires. It's about you and your kingdom and people for your kingdom so that when there is the end, when all finally culminates 
and it is the climax, and you do say to Jesus, go and collect your bride, which is the church, and people come to you for eternity because of what you have done, and then praise God for it. Please hear me. I'm not a fan of violence. I'm not promoting violence. I'm not promoting strife. I'm not promoting division. I'm not promoting anger. I'm not promoting hatred. Through it, I go to God and I say, God, if that is what occurs, then help me to exemplify what? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, love, mercy, grace, self-control. Because as the world escalates toward that, if the church can move in the direction of the Holy Spirit, all the much more separated we become and all the much more apparent we become to a world that is bent on violence, division, and strife to where people begin to take notice and say, how is it that in this crazy world with everything that's going on, with all that is happening, with all the injustice that you are experiencing, you can still go to a God and worship Him. And you can say, let me tell you about that God. Let me tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because of out of anyone, if there ever was a person who experienced violence, injustice, strife, division, hatred, anger, it's Jesus. And despite that, Despite the fact that I hated him, he loved me. Maybe if we come on Easter Sunday with that kind of an understanding, our worship of Jesus will be all the much more sweet for truly who he is and how much he loves us. With all the violence in the world, we become worried and begin to question God's plan. And at times, God's answer to his plan will often surprise and amaze us. How many of you would love to hear from God? How many of you would love to hear God speak to you orally? How many of you would be all excited about what is going on and then all of a sudden God turns to you and says, here's my plan. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Interestingly enough, Habakkuk then turns to God again and after hearing the surprise and amazing plan of God, this can cause us to question God's goodness even more. Does anybody ever question the goodness of God? God, if you're good, then you'll do this. Doesn't that sound like it's our plan and our conditions? What we have to recognize and remember, in fact, it's interesting, uh, one of the individuals who was imprisoned in the Voice of the Martyrs for a period of time turned and said, God is good. After he had been imprisoned, after he had received injustice, and he said, no, let me tell you that now what I see is God is really good. And you say, but you've been in prison. You've received injustice. You've been beaten. You've been mocked. And then he says, no, no, no. Let me tell you again, God is really, really Really good. How can that happen? Because despite the injustice that that individual had placed upon him, he saw the goodness of God to the point that even as he admitted, 
that there were four times when he contemplated suicide because he was so distraught. Yet on the fourth time, God reached out to him and let him know, I am here and I am yours and I have a plan and I will care for you. And now this individual turns around and he says, let me come and tell you, despite the injustice that I endured, I can come to you with confidence and I can tell each and every one of you that God is not just good, but he's really, really, really good. What an amazing plan. But do you think that he was praising God the moment that he was imprisoned and suffering injustice? See, God's sovereignty, God's wisdom often has a way that we don't necessarily understand. But we must always remember and trust that despite what goes on around us, God is really, really, really good. Habakkuk turns, and this is a response back to God. Okay, God, <laughs> sounds good, I've got it, no problem. You're going to do this, everything is fine. No, this is what Habakkuk says. Oh Lord, are you not far from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. Oh Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. I don't get this, God. I understand you, but I don't get what you're doing. Why then will you tolerate the treacherous? God, I'm looking to your character. I'm looking to your goodness. I'm looking to your sovereignty. I'm looking to how you love. I'm looking to your promises. And you're going to do this? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? God, what's going on? I've just heard from you and you're going to do this and I still don't get it. I'm trying to look to you. I'm trying to understand who you are, but I just don't get what you're doing. You have made them like fish in the sea, like creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up on his dragnet. And he, so he rejoices and is glad. What a terrifying yet wonderful analogy. You've made these people so wicked that they're just going to basically, like fishermen, cast their net and draw up all of these fish at their whims and do whatever it is that they want with them. That's your plan, God? Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense in his drag net. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. These people of injustice, these people of violence are going to come and they're going to drag up your righteous people like fish. And then they're going to sit and enjoy choice food. That just doesn't sound like justice to me, God. Is he to keep emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I don't know about you, but if Habakkuk was worried at first, wondering where God was, and then God comes to him and he gives him his response, and he says, here's my response, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I wonder if Habakkuk worried even more. 
But what we have to recognize is that through this, sometimes when we hear God's plan, it can cause us to question God's goodness even more. But this is where I want us to see, and this is what I want to encourage you in. When things get hard, and if we were as fortunate as Habakkuk to hear from God, and God says it's going to get harder, we might worry more. But I love these quotes by Craig T. Owens. First one is this, fear, or we're going to use the word worry, is an invitation to evaluate in who or in what I have placed my trust. Perhaps, right now, as our world is topsy-turvy, as our nation is bitterly divided, as its future, for lack of a better word, is on tilt, we can become fearful or worrisome. Perhaps God is saying, what have you placed your trust in? Have you placed your trust in yourself? Have you placed your trust in this great nation? Have you placed your trust in the Constitution? Have you placed your trust in me? Whom or what have you placed your trust? I think God is asking us to evaluate that. I think God is asking the church, particularly in America right now, to evaluate what do we trust in? Do we trust in our buildings? Do we trust in our finances? Do we trust in our programming? Do we trust in our education? Do we trust in the temporal? Or do we trust in Him? The other thing that I think is interesting is Craig T. Owens follows up in another writing. He says, fear or worry is overcome by clinging to God's words instead of the world's words. Anybody feel like the world's words are quite big right now? You go on the news, you hear all of these things, you look around, you hear the world saying, this is what's going on, this is what's happening, here's this, here's that, COVID's going on, wars are over here, disasters are over there, murder and strife is happening, the world is divided, Democrats and Republicans aren't getting along, they're doing their thing, they're bitterly divided, we're not sure about what's going on, we're questioning the Constitution, we're not sure what's going to happen. Oh, and P.S., by the way, just to add something in, the Broncos are not going to win the Super Bowl for another 10 years. Uh, when we listen to the world's words and we don't surpass them with God's words no wonder we become worrisome or fearful that's when we have to say do not fear for I am with you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand I am your God and you are mine in this trouble or in this world there will be trouble uh huh but fear not, worry not, for I, not I, <laughs> I have overcome the world. And as crazy it is, is, and as we look at the injustice that is there, that is when we begin to turn from worry to worship. 
And that is where the world looks and says, what is going on in that church or with those people? How can they be at peace? How can they be filled with joy? And please hear me, joy and happiness are two different things. When the world is essentially falling apart, how can those people have a greater joy? And that is because that joy is manifested and centrally founded in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has gone to the cross on our behalf, has sealed us with righteousness, as the word says, adopted us into his family with full rights and privileges in his kingdom, and even though this world will fall away, we will inherit the kingdom of God. Sometimes, we need to cling to God's words, not our own. And right now, I think what's important is for the church to be clinging to the word of God. Not just professing the word of God, that's not a bad thing, but clinging to it, holding on to it, not with desperation, but with adoration. How many of you have something of value, right? Maybe something that's fragile, something that's very important, and you give it to someone. What do you do? You cling to it, don't you? You, you care for it. Do we hold the Word of God with that kind of value? Funny thing is, is God's Word won't break. It's not as fragile as the vase. An accident won't happen. God's Word is firm and secure. It is there. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the great I Am. He has set the world in motion. He has set the stars in the sky. He is the one who controls all, and His Word will not fail. And I mean the Word of God as well as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's the heart. That's the hope that we need to have. Trust me, I worry. I'm not going to tell you that I've got all this figured out. There are days when I go home and I'm like, Lord, what in the world are you doing? What is happening in our country? Where are we going? Where are the morals? Where are the values? How can this be so? There's times, to be honest, when I'm probably worse than Habakkuk. And I wonder if God's plan is saying, Habakkuk, Trevor, church, here's my plan. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I hope not. I pray not. I would love for it to get better before it gets worse. But if it gets worse before it gets better, then God is still sovereign and God is in control. Do we mean that? Amen. Can we say that with a full heart? Amen. Men, may it be so. I trust you. I worship you because my life is not my own. My life is yours, God, and you are in control. Now, here's what's interesting. When we look at the world and we see the violence, how do we not worry? And then we begin to go and we say, with all of the violence in the world, we become worried and begin to question God's plan. And then at times, God's plan will often surprise and amaze us. Sometimes God's answer is not what we expect. Sometimes God answers, and it's not what we want. But God's answer is God's answer, and God's answer is sovereign, and God's answer is good. No, it's really, really, really 
good. This can cause us to question the goodness of God even more. God, where are you? What are you doing? I don't get it. And please hear me. I'm not browbeating anyone. If that's you today, then join the crowd. Because there are moments where I struggle and I just say, God, I don't get this. I don't understand. How can this be happening? But lovingly, as I go back and as I read the words of God, as I look to his character, as I look to his goodness, as I look to his promises, as I look to his love, as I look to his mercy, as I look to his grace, as I look to his patience, I turn and I say, God, you are good. You are really, really, really good. And that is sort of this last point. Yet when we recall and rest in God's promises, this turns our worry into worship. And you'll notice that I say that's to be continued. If you have your Bibles with you, I just want to take a moment. We're going to travel through these next couple of weeks, chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And we're going to see, little by little, God's response to Habakkuk. We're going to see what God is doing, but we're also going to see that little by little, Habakkuk's worry, Habakkuk's fear, Habakkuk's whatever it might be, anger, questioning, doubt, whatever might be there, little by little, becomes eroded away. And here's what's interesting. Please know this. This is before God does what he does. Don't miss that. So in the end of Habakkuk, in the final verse, let's read it for a minute, verse 19, okay? Chapter 3, it says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. I'm ready, God, for the director of music. Oh, my strength and instruments. And it ends. Habakkuk is ready. Habakkuk is worshiping. Habakkuk is strengthened. And guess what? Y'all think, you know what? Great, God got him through it. All is well. Everything is fine. No, this is the oracle before the burden begins. <laughs> Habakkuk says, I'm ready and I'm strengthened. And God says, okay, great. And it gets worse before it gets better. But as Habakkuk focuses on God and his character and his goodness and his love and his mercy and his grace, he says, I'm ready. Lovingly, I ask you a question and I ask myself this question every day as I see the world around me. God, if it gets worse before it gets better, can I say the words of Habakkuk as he says them with confidence at the end of this book? The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like that of a deer, and he enables me to go on the heights. I'm ready, God. I'm ready, God, wherever you need to take me. And I'd love to tell you that I am. But I pray every day that the Lord will be my strength, because I guarantee you I am weak. Is the church ready? Are you ready? 
Are you going to God and asking Him to make you ready? When we look at the world and we see how much violence, how do we not worry? The kind of main gist that I want us to see this morning out of the book of Habakkuk is simply this, that when we begin to worry, may we recall and rest on the promises of God and then allow Him to turn that worry into worship. Lovingly, I come before you and I think, if it does get worse, which I pray it doesn't, I pray things get better, but if it does get worse, church, myself, my relationship with God, am I going to worship you more, God? Am I going to exalt your name more? Or am I going to worry and become fearful even more? And the manner of how we combat that is by trusting in God, as we've seen Craig Owens say, and going to his word and relying on his word rather than the words of the world. That's how we move from worry to worship. I want to take a minute. We've got just a little bit of time before we sing our closing hymn. And what I'd like to do is I'd like you just to take some time and essentially pull out whatever is worrying you. Okay? Or whatever is worrying you. It might be a single thing. It might be multiple things. You might be sitting there saying, man, I've got a list that's way too way too big. And that's okay. And lovingly what I want you to do is I want you to just hold that up, for lack of a better word, in front of you. You don't need to tell me, but I want you to essentially name it. Okay? I'm worried about blah. I'm worried about the fact that the Broncos are terrible. Right? I'm worried about the fact that our nation is distraught. I'm worried about that. Whatever it might be. It might be a personal worry for you. You might be sitting there saying, Trevor, yeah, I get all of this, but you have no idea what's going on in my personal life right now. I want you to pull that out, and I want you to place that before God. And then what I want you to do is this. Lovingly, I want you to say, I don't know exactly what the answer is going to be, okay, or how you're going to answer this, God, but I do know that you will. And I do know your character is real. And I do know that I can trust you and your word. And then what I want you to do, if you would be so kind. Okay, a little homework assignment. Can we do some homework here? No, right? No homework in church. Just take it with you. Whatever it is, okay? Put it in your Bible. Put it wherever you, you know, on your refrigerator. Whatever, whatever it is that you're worried about. And here's what I want you to do, okay? Daily, what I would encourage you to do is, is I would encourage you to then go and I want you to take passages of Scripture. Okay? And I want you to write those passages of Scripture. Why does the Bible repeat fear not so many times? Because we worry. But yet, if we turn that worry into worship and trust the Word of God, we then enable ourselves to see it more clearly. Just write those. Write those down. And as you go through the week, two things... Say, am I trusting in the world's words or am I trusting in your words? And then also evaluate in whom or in what are you placing your trust. Okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning with the message of Habakkuk. A wonderful book, a beautiful book, but to be honest with you, a challenging book. We recognize that in times where we might become concerned, we might become fearful, we might become worried, when we look around at the world around us and question what's going on, we can wonder where you are. 
And Lord, similar in the book of Habakkuk, when you respond and the response that you give isn't what we think you should, we can begin to really question your goodness. But Father, help us to see, just as you said, that your response to Jesus was to bring about a Messiah that would save, save God's people from all their iniquities, bring about a nation that would not end. But in the same breath, you said your will was to beat, cruise, brush, uh, beat and destroy him, to turn your face away from him. God, that can't be your plan. You're going to bring about Jesus and he's going to save the nation of Israel and become their king. Yet you're going to destroy him on a cross and make people spit and mock him. You're going to make him cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're going to make him be so destroyed that he's barely recognizable. You're going to make him endure the most excruciating form of torture known to man in his day? Yes. But then watch what I'm going to do on the third day when Jesus rises from the grave triumphing over sin and death. And bringing about righteousness and justice for all whom will believe. Sealing their eternal inheritance because of this plan that I'm putting in place. Father, help us to turn our worry into worship when we trust your goodness. When we trust your sovereignty. When we trust your plan. We thank you. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name and Christ's name alone. We ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God's people say, Amen.